Hi, welcome to the Xbox World Podcast. I uh, hope you're well, hope you've had a good uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we're back again to talk about all sorts of stuff, some games, probably some other stuff as well. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest issue as well, which is on sale now if you haven't got your copy. Uh, with me today is Mike. Hello. And Matt. Hello. And of course I'm Tim. So um, where are we going to start this week then? Well, we might as well start with this month's issue. Uh, it's feels like it weighs about 15 stone. Uh, it's got all sorts of stuff in there. It's um, Actually, I'm really pleased with the way it's turned out. I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite a nice package. It's got a great freebie in there. Um, <clears throat> we've got a free Halo series companion for anyone who, who doesn't know already. We've got uh, absolutely tons of shooters and action games in this issue. Uh, Bioshock, Batman, Bulletstorm, Call of Duty, Duke Nukem... Um, and uh, and we've got a couple of surprises as well. Uh, probably, oh, actually, it's probably not so much of a surprise now because I think Matt and I talked about it on the last podcast. Yeah, you Castlevania. Guys, you guys talked about all about the game, <coughs> the studio-defining game that is yeah. Castlevania. But but Castlevania really is uh, really is the highlight in terms of reviews. This issue, it's um, a really quite exceptional game, and uh, and we advise you to uh, to check it out immediately. Absolutely. Well, actually, I don't even know when it's out. Australia, yeah. uh, start November 8th, I believe. So when I say immediately, I mean <clears throat> immediately in a month. Yeah, well, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Not even a couple no, of weeks, October. one week. Sorry, I, I mean Yeah, October. so it's, it's next week. Right, okay, so it's out a bit soon. It's out on the same day as Enslaved. Oh, that's interesting. So a nice little uh, nice little mini battle there. Yeah, and they're both good games, but there's uh, really, if you're, if you're only buying there's one... There's only one winner. Yeah, um, but, I mean, uh, Castlevania's bigger, it's better, and it's just... Unfortunately, it's uh, it's an enslaved beating game. Although enslaved is a pretty great game as well. <coughs> there's also Mike's. Uh, if for people who haven't picked up Halo, the few of you haven't. There's Mike's Halo review, which I really advise people to have a have a if good. If you read haven't, it. if you have actually played it, I hope there's something in there for you. Yeah, to read. I, I, I kind of yeah. wrote it with the intention of it being for people who'd already played the game and maybe weren't sure what it was they didn't like about the game. Because yeah. it's because I've got a list, my friends. I've got a big list of things I don't like about that game. Um, I, ultimately, I think it's a, a pretty decent game. I think it fails in a lot of areas that past Halo games didn't. I th- did, did I hear right? You came in the other day and said, oh, "I hate the I hate the single player." I just hate the single player. Yeah, I don't think it's a very good campaign. So it's just it feels to me like um, like maybe like forty firefights in a row. It's it's just the same fight over and over again. They dump you into a multiplayer map, and they're all multiplayer maps. Dump you into an area, spawn a little say and say, "Take control of this area." You take control of the area. You stand there for a while, and it goes, oh, now you've got to defend this area. And then they spawn a load of guys in who just throw themselves at you. And it's, it's always a great fight, and I can't fault the fighting, because I think it's got the best combat of any Halo. But it um, would have been nice if there was a bit more variety, mm. a bit more of those kind of, kind of game-defining moments. I mean, there's nothing in the game to, on, a, on a level of taking down the uh, Scarab in Halo 3. There's nothing on the level of escaping from the Pillar of Autumn in Halo CE. You know, there's, there's nothing like that. <coughs> Um, that's that's what the game lacks, truly epic moments. And maybe those should remain the territory of old Mickey Chief, but it would have been nice if Noble Six got a, a few mm. a few, you know, game defining moments because when the game ultimately goes down, you, you kind of feel like A, you didn't get to know anyone on the team, and even if you had, you probably wouldn't have liked them anyway. And B, you don't really remember any of the fights you had in the game. Because mm. all of the fights were good. None of them were bad. And that's that's the that's the thing. It's like it seems strange to complain that the whole game is good. But the whole game is uniformly good, and there's no moment you can look back on and say, 
That was amazing. Yeah. That that that, that defines really the game. matter. You know, they really absolutely. How, how are you finding things? You started it last time we spoke. Yeah, but uh, then Mike took back his copy, so I don't have it. Oh right. Yeah, I stole it back, so I can't play it. Because having it's, said it's that, I'm online. lending Mike two games today. Yeah, ironically. Yeah, it's hot online, of course. I mean, online is absolutely amazing. But I know I was disappointed with the campaign. I think uh, reading online, quite a lot of people are. Quite a lot of people say it's the best Halo campaign ever. So you know what? If you agree or you disagree, maybe you'll find something to mm. argue for or against in the review. So what else have we been playing then? Nothing. I've been playing Duke Nukem 3D. Oh actually. yeah, yeah. You finished that last. Ready night, yeah. for, uh, for for the, the first new time. One. For the well, first time. I played it a lot when I was little, uh, around like some random friends. I had it on the Sega Saturn. Yeah, it's one of those um, games when you, it's just kind of like a bit, ooh, you know. And yeah, I played it quite a lot. On, yeah, I played it a lot on Sega Saturn and uh, the old Death Tank on the Sega Saturn as well. Um, yeah, it was a secret, wasn't it? But I've never played it through start to finish. Uh, I'd always like jumped to. I, I don't. I, I. I didn't. I knew that I didn't enjoy like the alien worlds or rather the mm. spaceship level. So I always just um, played the. You know, the first level, the LA de- meltdown over and over and red light district and whatnot and then i used to jump maybe towards some of the later levels like jute burger um but uh so yeah start to finish i loved it thing is you know all, that that game all of that stuff still has context holds, it still holds up it really does like the game you play it today and you can still appreciate it i mean it, okay it's not a doom but i think if anything it's a better representation of the 90s I than, think, than um, oh, and the thing about all that Duke Burger stuff is a lot of people think that's like a bit silly, and it is, of course. But the whole point is, Duke is the biggest hero on the planet, and he's franchised his name to yeah. everyone who have it. So there's Duke Nukem Arcade Games, there's Duke Nukem Burger Joints, there's Duke Nukem Strip Clubs. He's put his name everywhere. That guy's a whore. But uh, no, it's really good. Um, hard bosses, but the rest of it is uh, fairly easy to wade through. Uh, lots of secrets there. I really found a new respect for secret areas playing Duke again. Because, man, you play a game, there's about eight secrets in every level. Secret areas. Yeah, just like hidden switches. And that's the thing. It's like, that's pieces the thing. of wall just, that you go up and you hit. Yeah. You find yourself going around every level, every wall, it's hitting the action button. And he walks around going, oh, oh. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, like, uh, uh, where is it? Or like when there's nothing there. Yeah. But like every once in a while, you'd find something like a post you could jump in. And you got the bing, secret area or whatever at the top. No, it's really cool. And I had a blast playing it. I had more fun playing Duke Nukem 3D on XBLA than I have the last few first-person shooters I've played, with the exception of Bioshock 2. Mm. Um, no, it's... it's Bear in mind, some of the last few, last few first-person shooters you played have included, what was that, Sniper game? Sniper? Oh, Ghost Warrior. Ghost Warrior. What else? That's true. Uh, oh, I don't know. I've put so many out of my mind. Yeah, a few old jobs, for sure. But um, Jobs. I don't know. I, I, I'm now going to look at XBLA, see what other oldie I, I want to get back into i never really played the old castlevania so i'm thinking symphony of the night is perhaps on my my list of xbla games to to invest in it's quite interesting how uh how you think it, it stands up because when we got i mean i don't know maybe you guys don't agree but when we got doom into the office and wolfenstein I thought they looked, Wolfenstein has aged really bad. Yeah, but, they, they haven't aged at all. But the thing about Doom is, I, I've got this theory about old games, which is that as long as they're not too ambitious, they age pretty well. Mm. So, like, Doom is kind of like a refinement of what Wolfenstein did. Now, Wolfenstein was the first, <laughs> it was sort of the first shot of that, and the, the first shot always ages badly, always. And the last shot always ages badly, but the bit in between ages quite good. And to put you an example, 
Like um, we did, we looked at Call of Duty, uh, the first one, and it's aged real bad. I mean, it's aged real bad just because it was really ambitious for the time. They were really pushing ahead. They were really like you know trying to do something a little bit different, trying to evolve that Medal of Honor thing. And it feels these days like, like since then, so many games have refined that and perfected it and done it better. It's kind of like it feels old now. But you look at something like Doom. There's nothing really to refine there. Doom did it. Doom did it so good. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to refine. There's nothing to do better. If you want like a straight shooter where it's just nothing like guns blazing, storming through levels, you know, searching for things, monster monsters leaping out of closets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you want to do that, Doom's got you covered. You know, Doom has got you absolutely covered if that's your thing. Um, it's because you know it wasn't the first shot. It wasn't the last shot. It was just the you know the bit in the middle which was which got it just right. I think for me this will show how put. Puddle, uh, puddle deep. I am, but for me, I think the, the the barrier to those games is 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 the visuals. I just find it's we've moved on such a long way now that even shadow games like mm. Sniper Ghost Warrior can look pretty good, apart from the shadowing problems, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but I mean, I just I just find it very very difficult to make the leap back to those really really Maybe. old. And they're old pretty tough. And of course, two D games age a lot better than three D ones, just because you know. 2D is 2D is 2D. I mean, Castlevania looked nice. You yeah. know, it, it looked, it's, you know, the tall 2D. Yeah, you blow, you blow yeah. up those pixels and they still look nice and chunky. And I was yeah. playing Super Metroid the other month and that, you could yeah. release it today. Yeah, it's really still, still a good looking game, you know. It's, it, the, the problem comes when you've got like a 3D game, particularly one which comes towards the end of a console's life, which really pushes the machine and pushes it far beyond the limits of where it wants to go. It's like um, Shadow of the Colossus, a great game, but, man, that reduces the PS2 to, like, 14 frames a second at some points. Yeah. It's like that's, that game drops to unplayable frame rates. And that sort of thing is it's just unacceptable now. You, you, can, you cannot live with that. I can't, I can't play that game. It's like modern games have made me have spoiled me. If only Shadow of the Colossus was getting an HD remake in 2011. And of course, it, and of course that's exactly what it is, and it's still more deserving, I think, than any other game. Yeah, I know we're, we're all on an Xbox mark here, but we have PS3s and Wii's and everything, <clears> and I think that's the most exciting game to come out next year. I mean, there are some great games out next year. It's something we know of, yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's actually looking pretty dry next year. Oh, I don't, I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, well, we're talking about a year with like Bulletstorm and Dead Space 2 and Portal sure, yeah. 2. That's, these are all, all the first quarter, though. All of them. It is. I mean, I think it's very scary that we haven't heard anything from Microsoft. Well, now we about... have that. I mean, we've got a load of Japanese studios just came out with like a load of gamers' games for Kinect, which is pretty big. I was going to say, apart from, with anything apart from Kinect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kinect's like. I, you know, I, you know, we really want to say nice things about Connect, but the evidence hasn't been there yet that it's, it's going to be any good. I think it's worth saying they're still hiding it from us. Yeah, I guess. yeah, I mean, and that's uh, it's happening. almost looking almost certain at this point that we're actually not going to get Connect until the day it's on shelves and we walk into a shop to buy one, and that's very rare. I think, um, it's, I think it's possible that a lot of people are going to be in the same boat as well. I think possibly OXM will get one for the office because, you know, Microsoft back the official mag. They might do, they might maybe, not. Maybe I mean, not. it's just been so... No, they're still with I mean, Microsoft have... I mean, Microsoft UK, we should say here, don't appear to have an idea when kits are turning up, if ever. Um, so, you know, I don't... The thing is, they're going to want to put as many units on shelves as they can. They're going to want every single unit they can. And they don't. they're not going to want to give us a free unit, you know, so they can do the reviews when our review is going to be coming a month late anyway. Mm. You know, that sort of, for, they know for us that the launch games aren't the games that 
you, the, you know, the readers, are going to be interested in. Mm. They know that you guys aren't going to be sitting there going, you know what, I really got to myself fitness evolved. Yeah. That's I'm hot for that. Like apart from maybe Dance Central, there's not a lot among that launch lineup that's going to no. be for the kind of or kind of reader who reads Xbox World. Yeah, uh, if if you look at the Connect calendar, it's basically Dance Central, Child of Eden, like in in between <coughs> there, it's a big old vacuum. Yeah, and um, aside from Connect as well, I mean, as we were saying, it's, it's I mean, after sort of May next year, it's. So we've got Gears wasteland. Three. Yeah. We know that something something Gotham related is happening. Yeah. There's still been no clarification exactly as to what that is, whether it's four or as we imagine. Four three. Three. Sorry, Forza, yeah. I should say. We we know that it's connect enabled, but is it gonna be <laughs> three just with we connect? We are expecting or? a couple of big announcements early next year though. Yeah, I mean there'll be one yeah. that we know about that There's, we can't speak about. Yeah, which one will be planet mass, planet massivo. smashing update so well, yeah, I mean, but that'll that's... presumably come out at the end of next year but i mean i mean what we do have is batman towards the end of next year yeah, that's, that's the one true, big yeah. one we do know about of course yeah. um there's obviously going to be a call of duty yeah whether infinity war will have been able to turn around the call of duty in time we don't know yeah. because i mean they, they lost a lot of people all i guess at once. sledgehammer or stepper maybe that they've been around long enough i wonder and we'll have probably la noir although it might have come out already yeah it? no that's out uh October, oh, no, wait a minute it? it's been delayed that's yeah <laughs> So LA Noir's out at some point next year. Yeah. Well, I wonder whether um, I wonder whether Rockstar might announce something else. Max Payne's got to be coming out, of course. Yeah, and perhaps I would, because they got Max Payne. I think and, almost certainly when one of those will be moved off of the table before they announce the big boy. Yeah. If they announce uh, GTA Five, they'll have to move other stuff off the table first. Yeah. I would have thought. I mean, maybe not. Maybe they'll be brave and just have three games un- uh, announced but not ready to go. No, I think they'll get. Uh, <laughs> surely they get L.A. Noir out of the way because yeah, it's gunning think, for the same sort of crowd yeah I think you're right I think they will I mean I'm pretty excited about that I'm, I'm quite well I'm, I'm excited to, Noir, see, yeah. to see what it looks like you know I know it's not from I know it's not from Rockstar North who are perhaps Rockstar's most reliable studio but I mean San Diego did a pretty bang up job mm. with Red Dead so is, there's hope that, that there are other studios that kind of being pulled up by the bootstraps a bit. and Rage uh, will be good next year as well, of course. Yeah, and we've forgotten about Deus Ex. Well, oh, that's another early next year. Don't forget about is, that. Deus Ex looking great. Yeah, Deus Ex is going to be excellent. And we have a big Deus feature Ex on that excellent. in this issue. And we have even more next issue. We have a, a big look at uh, some of the, the things about Deus Ex. You've got to see this ish. Next ish, we've got a exclusive interview. And it's the interview from which you might have seen popping up online. Little quotes popping up about the modern Prince of Persia. That actually came from an interview I did with um, Jean-Jacques Baltet in uh, over in um, Germany, mm. and we've got the full interview next month. Not this month, next month. But if you're into DSX, there is stuff for you this month as well. So, Mike, what you been? What you been playing? Anything? Anything uh, good? No, not really. Nothing on the old PC or anything. Nah. Okay. Nah. It's been it's a bit unusual, isn't it? Yeah, I've yeah. been really busy ever since I got back from Gamescom. It's just been work, 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 work. Yeah. All I've been doing is writing every night, and I've got this website I'm running as well, and that's been work, work, work. Like never blog ever. It's just it's just too much hard work. Yeah. Don't do that. So I came back, did a load of work for a different, load, couple of different magazines for us as well, covering all the stuff to come out of Germany. In the meantime, I found a little bit of time to play some Demon Souls on a PS3. Great game. A great game. Um, we've spoken about it before on the podcast. So I won't go into it too much, but. Uh, people say it's really hard. Yeah, it is really hard. It's if you play the right class, it's actually pretty easy in the first stage. It gets pretty hard quite quick after that. Um, yeah, it basically has one difficulty setting, and it's a that's brutal. Um, but the sequel is coming to Xbox. Mm. 
So that's that's something to be excited about. I mean, it's this incredibly dark, incredibly bleak, incredibly oppressive game, um, where anything in the game can kill you a moment's notice. Like you know, if there's a, if there's a big fall you can fall off of, well, there's nothing to stop you from falling off. It. There's no invisible walls there. If there's a, a little henchman running towards you, one of the low level baddies, yeah, well, he can pretty much do for you as well. You know, there's the game's really strict. It has very strict rules, but if as long as you play by the rules, keep your shield up all the time, take everything, every step, tread carefully, you can have a really fun time in that world. You, know, you can have a really good time. And that the sequel is being released on Xbox is, should be huge news because um, Demon's Souls is like one of the three big exclusives on PlayStation, you know, mm. along with Uncharted and, you know, pick your game of choice for the third one. You know, there's different people. Yeah, definitely, definitely Gran Turismo, because we've got, we got that beat with Forza. But um, it's like one of the, the big exclusives, and it's the game which which the 360 really has no compares. Like, if you like Uncharted, well, maybe you can play a bit of Gears of War for the shooting half and a bit of Lara Croft for the platforming half, but you don't. there's nothing on the 360 which is like Demon's Souls. There's nothing anywhere that's like no. Demon's Souls. The online integration of that game is just But you know they're turning incredible. that off in April. Yes. Shutting that down. It's, I don't that's get bizarre. It. It's mental. Yeah, that's bizarre. So if you want to play Demon's Souls, play it now. If you don't want to play it now... But is, is there not a chance? On. I was thinking there's still a chance that they can keep it going. Uh, I know maybe. that that was like the earliest, so we're going to shut it off. But I'm, I'm hoping that if they've got the support still... Because they'll have under a year then. UK gamers would have had less than a year yeah. unless they imported it to play that game as it should be played. Because the online part is so important. Yeah, because people people can leave. You know, this is the cool thing. If people don't know, you can have warnings you can, left for yeah, you. Yeah, it's basically like, it's got an in-game Twitter system. As yeah, it were. so if but, you see a blood stain on the floor, you can or, or a message written on the floor, you can read the message. Yeah. If you see a blood stain, you'll see where someone died. Yeah, it's like a replay you can, of the yeah, last few seconds. Yeah, you can watch the last life. few seconds of their life, and then you can see how they died. Maybe they ran around the corner and suddenly died. Well, guess what? You can re- realize, you know, oh god, maybe That's I, wait, gonna maybe jump I out. won't run around that corner yeah. quite like he did. And another the cool thing the game does is at a certain point in the game, it'll put you up against a boss, and the boss will be another player. Another player. But you just, won't know straight away. And you won't know straight away. You'll just, you'll, just, you'll just have this guy running at you with his sword in the air, and it'll be, it'll be you know, your friend. Yeah. Or maybe not your friend, someone who just wants you dead. And they, these are super cool features, and, and which will only be made better by Xbox yeah, Live. And the way that Twitter, say, if, if you were to tweet, and someone, you can like posts, yeah. just like Facebook or something. And if someone likes what you say, if you write something helpful, then you get a health top up. So you can be fighting a boss. Someone earlier on in the level finds something you wrote, like, watch out for the bad guy on the left. Found that helpful. It stopped them from dying. They like you. You suddenly, just before you cough it, you, you get a, a real, health boost. There's a real art to leaving messages as well. Because if you leave a message before, like a real long section where it just says, run this whole section, no one's going to run back to favourite it. No one's no. going to run back to approve that comment. But if you've got something that's like, you know, a warning for a ne- for the next yeah. room while someone might walk back. If only you could say like, I-, I think you're thinking the same bit I am in the first level where there's that the big dragon. bridge and yeah. the dragon. Run the whole section, which I tried, by the way. And I, f- I-, I, had an- I had to keep running up, killing a few guys, backtracking and do it by parts. But what you want at the end of the section is told you so written yeah. on the floor and then they can like that like that yeah and then uh, and then you'll get the health top up it's an incredibly clever game to me I can't, I can't say I, yeah, excuse me I can't honestly say I'm having a lot of fun with the game it's not a fun game it's so oppressive and so overpowering and it's you know it's a lot to take in there's so many systems in that game you'll never really appreciate unless you've really got nerdy about the game you know you can as you're leveling your character up, you can be really scientific about that. And that's not the way I'm playing. I'm just playing to, you know, enjoy the world. And because it's so clever, it's just full of so many clever systems. And you know what? From Software are actually really good at that. This Japanese developer who 
let's be honest, have made like a lot of duff games mm-hmm. over the years. Or serious duff games. They made the awful Tenchu game, which I really like. They, they, made, they made, uh, I think they made Enchanted Arms. Was that from Yeah, Software? I think so. And they made a lot of Armored Core they? games, which, which yeah, again has its fan base, but I ain't among them. Was, uh, um, they made Chrome Hounds, which was brilliant. And there's this big myth on, um, on Xbox that Chrome Hounds is a bad game. It's not. It just got reviewed really badly because Sega didn't offer critics any way to play online. And it's basically an online game, like Battlefield mm. is. You know, you don't review the single-player game. You review the online. What about, um, did they do Ninja Blade? Was that them? Mm. I think they did, yeah. I think they did as well. And that was Duff. Yeah, yeah Duff big time. With that. But every now and again, they bang something out. It's yeah. so clever and so different. And Chrome Hounds was one of them. Uh, Demon Souls is another. And their new game, Project Dark, which is going to get a better name before release, is you know, the Xbox yeah. version of Demon Souls. And of course, one of the other big clever games they got coming, <coughs> it's Steel Battalion, the game we called. The game we, you uh, called months ago. Called months, months ago, months. yeah. It's... Um, Steel Battalion controlled by Connect. What I'm hoping is it's controlled by a controller with also Connect gestures. Support, yeah. So you can reach up and sort of touch stuff on the screen and you know and use it that way. But most of the time you've got your hands on firmly on a controller. Because Chrome Hands was so good. It's so good online. And if they can take that, transfer it to a world which has like some kind of value to Xbox gamers, which I think Steel Battalion still has. It's certainly a name everyone recognizes. And you know, they can take that and run with that big Capcom marketing machine, get that game into a lot of people's hands. That game online is going to be incredible. So let's talk a bit about Japanese games, because obviously we've had uh, Tokyo Game Show's been and gone now, and there's been quite a few mm-hmm. interesting announcements at TGS, not least of which is uh, Ninja Theory doing De- Devil, Devil May, May Cry. Cry. Which people oh. knew was going to happen. Like, yeah, the it's been long rumoured, yeah. Um, I, I said something to Mike earlier, which I know is controversial, but okay... I think we're all in agreement it looks horrible. As Devil May Cry fans, we're a bit like, Ugh. take a look at the new Dante. It, lo- it, looks, it looks like someone who really liked Twilight, Twilight yeah. sat down and designed their own Devil May Cry. However, I think it's not necessarily going to be a great Devil May Cry game as we know it, but I think it'll be a good game. Having, I, I'm saying this on the back of Enslaved, which I finished a couple of weeks ago. I love from start to finish. Westerners. And I know Heavenly Sword wasn't the best, but I, I, I just think they'll deliver a good game. It's just not going to be the game that Devil May Cry fans want it to be. That game exists. That game's Bayonetta. Yeah, Bayonetta is Devil May Cry 5. Um, no, Westerners, I can't make that kind of game. We can, There's two kinds of game we can't make. Uh, fighting games and action games. By that I mean, like, you know, the, the beat-em-up kind mm-hmm. of sort of successor to what Final Fight and stuff was. We were just no good at them. Uh, so, you know, people, a lot of people really like God of War, and, you know, that's okay, but the um, the combo system's really, really, really basic, and the actual structure of the game's incredibly basic. It's got nothing on the likes of Bayonetta or Devil May Cry 3. they're different genres, though. God of War isn't going for Bayonetta. It's more... I don't they're, know. They're different games. I don't know. I mean, certainly when um, old, what's his name, David Jaffe was working on it, he, he was very vocal in his, support, his, you know, his love of Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry 3 in particular, I think. But you say that, I mean, God of War. Castlevania, the highest scoring game last issue, that's that's a God of War. Yeah, that's totally. That's not Bayonetta. It's, ag- it's a great game. Again, it is, but it's not a game you play for the combat system the way you play Devil May Cry for the combat mm-hmm. system. Like, you play you play Devil May Cry because of the combo system and because it's so sophisticated and so good. That's why people play Devil May Cry. They don't play it because... I mean, the, the characters are a likeable bunch and they're a likeable bunch, I think, because of the this strange, strangeness of Japanese storytelling. So straight away, you lose that when you give it to a Western studio. And then you lose the sophisticated combo system because make no mistake, as good as Ninja Theory are and as clever as Enslaved is, 
They made Heavenly Sword, man, and that that don't yeah. show no evidence of any sophistication. Well, Enslaved whatsoever. has, it's got platforming combat, and yeah. both of them about as simple as they can be yeah. without being like Fisher Price. But they come together real nice, you know. Yeah, it, wor- it works really well for that game, but there's no evidence that they've got any kind of Devil May Cry yeah. type skill base. I mean, I love them to prove enslaved. me wrong. I would love them to prove me wrong, but I, I don't. I don't think, I don't think any Western studio has what it takes the expertise. To, to do a Bayonetta or a Ninja Gaiden. I don't think they have... We just don't think we have that expertise in the West. It's the same as, like, you know, what's the, what are the best beat-em-ups the West, uh, fighting games the West has ever made? Mortal Kombat, Killer Instinct. Uh, these games are just universal jokes among fighting game fans, you know? And uh, guess what? I love them both. I love both those Specs games. Specks of dust underneath the feet of Ryu and Ken. Don't forget Rise of the Robots, Mike. Oh, Rise of the Robots, of course. Shaq yeah. Fu. Or, Shaq or Fu. Body Blows. Oh, the Team Seventeen one. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, I remember when uh, that came out, and people were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, the Amiga doesn't need Street Fire. We got That's body right, blows." Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, it did get its own version of Street Fire. Oh, yeah, it, was it so did. Slow. Yeah, and it was. Um, it's like the, I just don't think we got the expertise. But that's okay because Japan hasn't got the expertise with shooters, and certainly with like RPGs. Like, I mean, they got RPG expertise, yeah, but it's they, not they, the kind yeah. that's popular these days. I mean, I guess there's a school of thought that uh, that that enslaved is linear in a way that that perhaps devil may cry is level progression is linear yeah. and so that those kind of skills are, I think are transferable i, I guess it's more the think, combat i suppose that's... i honestly don't think that capcom looked at ninja theory and were like oh they're the very men to to you know carry on the legacy of devil may cry they looked at ninja theory saying they're the guys to make devil may cry popular in the west mm. they didn't look at them and say okay so we need to take everything that's great about devil may cry and we need to give it a studio that can really run with that. Because if that's what they wanted, they would have given it to Platinum. They didn't want that. They wanted a, to, someone to completely reinvent it so that the people in the West wanted it. Mm. And maybe maybe they will be able to do that. It'd be interesting. What I've seen so far is about as disgusting a piece of work as I could imagine. It's like, disgusting as some of the names of the list of the, the porn downloads. That we've oh, just we'll, get, we'll get to that in a minute. No but yeah, it's like it, I just look at this game and I'm like, you know what, I'm a Westerner and that didn't appeal to me. So I don't know, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it's because I'm not a 14 year old girl who's really into Twilight. If I was, I probably really like New Dante. I probably think he was a real, real hunk, but um, I don't know. I'm not up for it. What about uh, what was the highlight then for you from from, from Japan? Oh, it's, I think everybody would probably say the same. It's the Mikami Suda game, mm. Shadows Dan- of the Damned. Shadows of the Damned, yeah, which is Resident Evil in Hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Dante's Inferno storyline. Yeah. How, how strange is that? <laughs> that EA have banged out two games where a guy goes to hell to, to rescue his, his girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, how weird is that? The the trailer. I mean, I don't know whether there was a second trailer or the or just one. I, I definitely watched one and Go then see I, a hospital, right? And then, yeah, and then I was off for ill with all sorts of stuff. But um, <laughs> but the trailer, I thought it was okay. I didn't. I didn't think it was mind blowing. You just got to think about what the game's going to be, though. I mean, if this is Resident Evil Four and Hell, then what more do you need? Yeah, like that's that you. You know, you're right. I don't think the trailer was particularly sold the game at all. It sort of sold the style of the game. Yeah, big time. I mean, you yeah. know, it's going to be silly. Yeah, real yeah. silly. But um, oh shit, man! If, it, if all it needs to be is Resident Evil, like if it can out Resident Evil, Resident Evil Five, then yeah, no problem. And what like can't? Say, let's be honest. Yeah. What and can't like I say, great name for a character as Garcia well. Garcia Hospital. Yeah. That is a classy name. That is a classy character. name. Yeah. I was I nearly, I very nearly registered the gamertag that day so that uh, nobody else would get it, but I bet it's gone by now. Yeah, yeah. it probably is. No, I think that was a highlight. Although, new Ninja Gaiden. 
that's cool. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. New Ninja Gaiden. I'm down with that. I'm not even first, a huge uh, Ninja The first Gaiden. Itagaki list uh, Ninja Gaiden as well. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how it, uh, yeah. how it turns out. And uh, yeah, Project so Draco as well, or Draco, which is the, uh, the game by... So let me, let me get this straight. It's got dragons in. It's an on-rails shooter by the creator of Panzer Dragoon, the lead designer of Panzer Dragoon. Um, the guy rides on the back with dragon, on the back of a dragon, but it's not a Panzer Dragoon game. And the dragons look exactly like the dragons from Panzer Dragoon. But it's not Panzer Dragoon. And they've even got the same kind of art that was used for, I think, uh, Panzer Dragoon Zwei, I think, or whatever it was called back in the day, I think it was Zwei. Um, it's got the almost exact same art style, but it's definitely not a Panzer Dragoon game. Yeah. Right. Why has he done that, then? He really likes dragons. Yeah, but, but why not just... Because Sega owned that name, uh, and course, this is from yeah, Microsoft yeah. Game Studios. Right, okay. I mean, it's from a developer working in conjunction. Microsoft are funding it. They, the Microsoft want Kinect games for Japan. Yeah. So they want the cream of their Japanese crop making. And this guy worked on um, Blue Dragon and uh, game you like Lost Odyssey. Lost Odyssey, yeah, he, he worked on those games under like he was the Microsoft Game Studios guy, and what he did, he left Microsoft. This is Yukio. I forgot his name, but he's um. He bailed on Microsoft, set up his own studio, and now they're working with Microsoft right. on this game. Microsoft are really keen on getting and selling Kinect in Japan, mm. using like you know the biggest Japanese names they can get a hold of. Uh, well, it's a policy that hasn't worked for them before. No, so. no, this is what I say because I'm writing right now about TGS for our, an issue in the future, and I, I said you know every year TGS rolls around, the Tokyo Game Show, and a bunch of Japanese developers come along, and they all say how they're going to support the. The uh, the Xbox in Japan, how they're going to get behind it, and how it's got it's going to be a big, big you know push on Japanese games for 360, and then everybody goes back to their desks and forgets about it mm. until the next year, and yeah. and that's that's the way it goes, and because Japan's never going to buy the Xbox. The problem is, is that quite a few of these games are, are games that will yeah will appeal will appeal to Japanese gamers, but they won't bridge. The gap to Western gamers, and and what 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 Microsoft really need is a Kojima or someone like that, someone who's got a got a bit of credence in Japan and and, and the West and yeah. the West as well, you know. And uh, although we obviously admire these these developers, you know, for the amazing things they've done, even even someone like I would argue someone like Mikami doesn't have that same. You know, you don't no. go, whoa, Mikami, you know, for, for we do, but for your average Panzer, just like, yeah, whatever. You know, Yoshinori Ono's getting there. That guy is, is really big in the West and really big in Japan, you know. He's, he's really... Well, he, I think he realised when he was making Street Fighter Four that the secret to that game's success was going to be in the West. Mm. And he reached out every time there was a Western trade show, he was there. And the more funny faces he pulls in our magazine, the more fans every he's going to get. Every single time he's uh, in a photo, he's always the one pulling the faces. He's always the Japanese creator who's like... Really having a laugh, really having some fun with it, and of course Suda's like that. Yeah. When someone says, "Oh, Suda's making a game for 360," you're like, "Oh, brilliant!" But then you think about it, you think, "Well, actually, Suda hasn't really made many good games. <laughs> he's made a lot of really strange games, but he's never made one great game. Mm. He's he doesn't have a Resident Evil 4. He doesn't have a Metal Gear Solid 3. He doesn't have a Super Mario World or a Super Mario 64. He doesn't have that. He just has a lot of <coughs> all right-ish games, you know. Mm. Like, mm. and yet he's his PR in the West has been so good that yeah yeah so you know quite exciting times in in, in japan and and uh and, and pretty exciting times well, certainly like the best connect games right now are all coming from japan yeah that's right i mean who gives a damn about you know the fitness evolved when you've got a child of eden project draco uh, don't forget melby's fitness oh melby's fitness whatever that's called 
We're, but, we're literally just calling it Melby's and Finnish. Yeah, and Afune doesn't think that uh, the Japanese uh, industry's up to snuff. No, he's, he came out again recently to set it in the New York Times. He said, he said uh, once again, Japan is making awful games. <laughs> yeah. like, it's an amazing so, statement. He's like the guy who's walking on the street with the end of the world is nigh written on a big placard. It's an, it's an amazing statement, really. He yeah. said even at Capcom, we're struggling. He said even at Capcom, he said we're years behind the West. I, mean, I wonder what his bosses think of it. But the funniest thing is, like, because there was two stories that came out during the week of TGS. One was in Wired, one was in the New York Times. Both were very good. Um, and they're both online. You should, if everyone wants to look them up. So they've sort of covered it from two different angles. One was covering from like, you know, how, how Japanese developers are struggling to cope with the Western industry, the increasingly Westernized industry. And the other was looking at how Japanese gamers cope with an increasingly Westernized industry. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's a saying that Japanese gamers have, which goes, Western game, shit game. Mm. Like they will not play anything Western. They were quoting guys who were being interviewed um, and say uh, gamers who were being interviewed. So if someone said, "I was playing Just Cause 2, a Japanese game. I was playing Just Cause. 2, I didn't know what to do." That very idea that a game would just say, "Go and make your own fun," is completely alien. Mm. And uh, like there are definitely game developers quoted as saying, "Like I've worked in studios where the lead designers own a PS2, a Wii, a DS, and a PSP. They don't own a PS3. They don't own an, uh, an Xbox, and they don't play Western games at all." And he said he said he was demoing a game to someone, and they thought it was a cutscene until he handed them the controller, and he had to say, "Yeah, this is what people in the West are playing. This is this is what games are now." And like that's really worrying. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's got to be worrying for a whole industry, and it, it puts into context what Inafune is saying. Mm, it's like yeah. we're so far behind that a developer can literally not know what people in the West it's, are playing. It's so funny. I think I might have mentioned it on a previous podcast, but way back when Resonance of Fate was due out, the month before it came out, and. I went to a preview event and it's about the only time I've interviewed a Japanese developer and I forget the guy's name now, which is quite bad of me. But it's the only time where I've interviewed someone from Japan and it's been <coughs> a great interview. Because they don't often happen. No, normally, I mean, they're quite reserved anyway when it comes to Q&A sessions. And then when you bring the interpreter into the mix, things get watered down person, and changed. Yeah. Uh, and you tend to get very short, snappy answers. But this guy was talking and talking. It was fantastic. Uh, and I and I approached the whole, you know, Japanese gaming, is it, on the slide because we're hear, hearing so many reports from people like Inafune saying you can't cut it anymore. And he said, he, he agreed to a point and he thought Japanese developers just didn't know what to do when they've, they've got no more hardware issues. Like I said, traditionally, like they've always been great at problem solving because the hardware hasn't been good enough to to let them do what they want mm. so they've always been very good at working within boundaries and seeing how they could push the snares and you know in the n64 in certain directions but now they're given platforms where the limit is really their own imagination they've got all the ram all the processing power they could ever hope for they don't know what to do with That's it and they don't know how to make the most interesting of it point. Yeah. and what it gets me thinking about straight away is how the development culture in the west has been almost entirely pc based like you know most of the development in the West is, for, is was you know for PC games. You look at the guys like the whole first person shooter thing comes from the the Western love of PC first person shooters. They made they jumped to consoles eventually. They started on PC. It was a slow jump to consoles. It was a real well. slow jump. If you look how long it took, I mean Doom was ported everywhere. But if you look how long it took for like you know, I remember having Bloodshot or something on Mega Drive. I mean I the first one which really worked was Goldeneye. That was the yeah, one which really yeah. worked, and that was like what ninety eight. 97, yeah. 97. So, I mean, between that, Wolfenstein mm. and then, it was a, it was a real slow yeah. thing. And 
But it meant that when we made the jump to a, a system where it was like the limits were off, I mean, to a point, I mean, the consoles are looking increasingly weak next to mm. modern PCs, but when you jump to a, a point where the consoles were pretty powerful, you already had like a whole development culture built on pushing the powerful PCs as far as they would go. Yeah. Guys who had just built their entire careers upon building engines which were only for the latest generation of PCs. Like, you know, guys like John Carmack and stuff over at id making, you know, Quake 3 or whatever. Mm. Quake 3 at the time, shit, my computer wouldn't run, wouldn't run Quake 3. You had to upgrade. And the whole culture was built on upgrading and upgrading and upgrading. While in Japan, it was built on consoles entirely. I mean, there's not a big PC scene in Japan. And there's not... Then you've got developers who are so used to working within constraints. Mm. And we, over here, we've got developers which are used to working without constraints. Yeah. It, does, it certainly does make sense, and it's... It would certainly, I guess, help to explain why uh, maybe they've been treading water for mm -hmm. so long. Because, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's not that Absolutely. you don't just become bad developers overnight, but, but I think it's just, you know... Another thing that happened over in Japan was that um, the DS became absolutely huge, and the biggest games for the DS were the brain training and minigame collections. Mm -hmm. And that... If you have big studios, which for, like, four years know that their best money in the, that they can make comes from shite like that, mm -hmm. then... It's you're going to lose a lot of skill and a lot of talent in four yeah. years. You know, you're going to it's a big you're going to get a big brain drain in that time. Where guys who would programmers who would otherwise be making, I don't know, a new Star Fox or something, are kind of working on a game where you add two numbers together. You know, that's I I, I don't want to put myself in in their place. But for me, it'd be a it'd be quite dispiriting, quite demoralizing mm. to be to be work, go, go from working on really gamey games to working on that. At the same time, it was a whole de different development culture. Mm. A whole different kind of game becomes popular overnight. Everyone rushes to make that kind of game. Now, once that fad's over, you've got to jump back to making the kinds of games you used to make. and Or you've got to make games which are nothing like what you used to make, rather. Yeah. So the, the development culture wasn't cut out for that. So they just went back to making the kinds of games mm. they used to make in pre-2005. Mm. If you mean, if you look at it, like, that's what Japan's yeah. doing. They're making mm. games that are so... even. Uh, Project Draco is is a game which was you know is Star Fox, yeah. it's Panzer Dragoon, yeah. same from nineteen ninety five, and they put Kinect controls on it. That's because what that's what he feels safe making. I wonder what uh, Japan makes of a game like Castlevania, which has been met. That's going to be an interesting, such one. rapturous yeah. kind of reception. Well, here, Kojima but. was basically on it to get the Castlevania tag pushed through. That yeah. was his. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, well, he, it was going to just be Lords of Shadow if if the studio didn't like it. From mm -hmm. what we've inferred from interviews with Dave Cox, when the, the producer on Castlevania would have just been Lords of Shadow. And as Matt Kojima was is the man to get behind it. Like The game isn't great because Kojima's name's on it, because it isn't his game. He's had some involvement, but he's had as much involvement yeah. as an you know, executive producer on any movie. Yeah, Whenever you ask what he did on the game, they always go back to the same thing. They always say, oh, he, uh, he suggested some things about the character design. Mm. And I get the impression that's all he did. Yeah. He suggested some things about the character design, and got the game made. Like make more cutscenes. Make no, make, he no, didn't make say no that. mistake. <laughs> like he was instrumental in that getting that game made because if it wasn't for him, that game never would have been made. Certainly not with the Castlevania no, name. It on would it. have been Lords of Shadow. Uh, it, I mean, Dave has spoken about meetings that he had with the studio guys, and they all really liked the game. You know, they thought this was great. But is it good enough to carry the Castlevania name? And we're having having a guy in Japan with a name like Kojima hmm. backing that game. So you can have a better cheerleader for your game than yeah. that guy. Yeah. So, um, as well as games, Mike, you've been checking out uh, the latest uh, latest uh, US movie scene, the US TV. Uh, yeah, TV. yeah. I've been watching some American telly. Man, any good? Soft year. Yeah, yeah. So it's another. Actually, you know, I say it's a soft year. It's another <coughs> soft year. It's been pretty weak the last few years. 
Um, I thought it picked up a couple of years. Was it two years ago or last year? I thought there was a, yeah. I know, a bit of a rise in quality. But now we're, we're getting into the all budgets being cut back now. Well, a lot of shows, I, don't, so. I don't know. You know what? I think, honestly, there's more good shows this year than there was last year, for sure. Uh, more good launches, definitely. Um, but there's more bad shows, too. There's more shows launched this year. So you got um, Shit My Dad Says. That's been the big hyped one on the internet, right? Everyone's oh, looking yeah. forward to Shit My Dad Says. Yeah, it's yeah, the, it's got William, Sh- internet-friendly William Shatner. It's spun out of a Twitter feed based on the Twitter feed of the same name, which is, it immediately set alarm bells ringing. Yeah. It's crap. Right. It's not funny. Right. Um, it's, it looks cheap. Really, really cheap. Uh, and the jokes are so, so hackneyed and old. They're right. just like really... It's like... I'm not even going to repeat them, but it just it's a jokes where you can see the punchline coming like a frigging bus straight at you, and you're like, oh, God, I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get hit. bang bus. I'm going to get hit by this bus. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get hit. This bus is going to hit me. And uh, you're sitting there, and people, everyone's going, Mike, get out of the way, Mike. That bus is going to hit you. And I'm like, I know, guys, but I can see it coming, and I can't move. And then the bus hits you, and you're like, oh, oh. God. It's like the whole steamroller like from that, Austin that, Powers. That was, that was the, uh, that's the punch. That's every punchline and shit my dad says. Right. Um, then there's the um, Will, new Will on that show, Running Wild. Yeah. Also not funny, but not only not funny, smug, beyond belief. But the Arnett is kind and of smug. And don't give anyway. me that bullshit because that's, that's what Matt Castle said. He's like, oh, yeah, but Will Arnett's supposed to be smug. I was like, no. yeah, but the show he's in is not supposed to be. He is like, his character should be smug in like an unsmug world. And this world is so smug. The thing with Arnett is that, is that I, I, he's one of those guys for me, and, and comedy is very subjective. But for me, he's one of those Not guys. Not shit my dad who, says, who, trust me. Who, who I just, who I just find funny. Like, oh, like, he's funny. Like, yeah. My wife was watching um, Ellen, the Ellen chat show. She always right. watches it. Oh god. And Arnett was on there, and uh, I saw him. And I said, oh, "Pull." She was wearing headphones. I said, "Pull him, mate." And I just sat there. I was chuckling, and he was just being himself. But he's just very. I don't know. I just so I'm. I'm actually. I'm not writing it off. Is he the new Chevy Chase? Uh, no, no, not necessarily. There'll never be another Chevy Chase. But um, Chuck's own Chevy. Chase. But, Let me tell you, Running Wild. I've seen one episode. That show's getting axed before the first season ends. I'm gonna put my mouth up money on that. All right. Um, and then there's a. Uh, oh God, what's it called? It's the new um, JJ Abrams show. Oh. Um, Undercovers. Right. That. See, I've just gone from smug to this. This show should be done for smuggling because it's so smug. And that that joke, that joke. I'm serious. I'm just, William Shatner's probably gonna make that joke on right. shit. My dad says next week. Um, it's the smuggest, smuggest show. Brilliant. It's so pleased with itself. It's right. like it's just so happy right. with its own brilliance. Yeah. And you know, it's JJ Abrams, so I was like, you know what, this show should be pretty entertaining, and it kind of is. And it's very fast-paced, the way you expect the JJ Abrams show to be. There's a lot of people running down corridors while camera chases them, or cameras chase them rather. Uh, guys running across rooftops while camera chases them. A guy running through a warehouse while a camera chases him. A lot of that. A lot of that going on. So, so it always feels like the show's moving. Feels like it's got a lot of energy. It follows these two um, ex-CIA agents. You're going to love this concept. All right. All right. They're ex-CIA agents. And they run a catering company. And get this. They're married. 
but they they don't know what the two that either of them did before. They are both agents, but they both had full on secrecy. So it's a bit like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So yeah, they don't know what they one of the two what each of them were doing. So ever so they'll have revelations as the episode's going on. Like oh, but it's like this time when I was doing this thing. I'm like when did you do that thing? And he's oh, like right. she's like oh, I did that thing at this time. And also I dated the guy we we're going to go and rescue. And he's like oh no, and it's kind of you it get sounds a bit like Chuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the the pairing up. Yeah. So you get a lot of that going on. I mean, it's 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 very much in that Chuck mold, but with extra smugness. Uh, I don't like the sound of that. And it's and the, with it, no Yvonne Strahovski. And it's lots of like it's, it's it's like the to the couple, and they've got good chemistry on the show. And everything everything about the show is good. It's an expensive show, like seriously expensive. And but it's like you, every time the couple are like doing their, the one thing you don't want to see on TV is a happy couple. Yeah. Because. That's not entertaining. People, people bickering and arguing is entertaining. Not when, when they're like they're so in love and so happy with one another. There was this moment in the first episode where a guy was like, listen, I love you, but I, you're staying here and I'm going to go on in there. And I love you and all this stuff. And, you know, that's why you've got to stay here. I'm not going to put you in danger. And I, I thought at that moment, I thought, oh, God, they're going to kill him. They're actually going to kill him. They're going to do the the shield, mm. where you kill a lead character in the first episode, yeah. and you replace him with the guy she they were going to rescue, yeah. who was actually like a kind of interesting character. He's a bit sketchy. He's a little bit strange. He's obviously going to be a pain in your ass, and he's obviously going to be that as the series goes on. And I thought, oh my god, they're going to kill her husband in the first episode. He's like, he's been built up to be this lead character. Nope, no, he's fine. And at the end, everyone's hugging, and she comes out in sort of sexy lingerie, and they get into bed, and then they. F- Right, excellent, excellent. <laughs> nice, thanks for making me edit this now. Like, <laughs> that, that's not on TV, though. Um, so then there's a show called Lone Star, which I haven't seen yet, but it looks promising. Right. And then there's obviously the obviously brilliant Boardwalk Ball, Empire, yeah. Yeah. which is Scorsese. the first episode is directed by Scorsese, for God's sake. It's written by the guy who wrote Sopranos. It's going to be brilliant. But I'm waiting for a few to stack up before yeah. I watch it. Hawaii Five O. That's a duff show. Great cast, though. Yeah. It's got old uh, James, not James Kahn, it was Scott Kahn. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. got Grace in it. Grace it? Jones from uh, Battlestar Galactica, Star. in a bikini. Yeah? Yeah. And looking any good? Brilliant. Oh, very much so. Yeah? Yeah, she's a good-looking lady. Uh, I've got the new SFX here on the seat next to me, uh, and on the cover, Walking Dead. Yeah, Walking Dead's next month, very right? Very excited. Yeah, next month. Very excited about yeah. that. Yeah, I thought the graphic novel was a bit overrated. Yeah, I think so too. But it's one with Darabont's involvement and so on. It's like it's got I'm a real, it's got a real good team involvement. I'm making happy about Darabont being involved, and yeah. also it's got the, it's, it's got the guy who was like the the showrunner for Dexter for the first two seasons as well. I Arguably the two strongest. The new seasons. series of Dexter started this week as well in America. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm only halfway through season four, so quiet on the details. I haven't seen season four either. I'm about to start watching it in time to catch up. Oh, it's good. Lithgow, great villain, like you said, Tim. Yeah, he's fantastic. Another show you guys want to check out is Breaking Bad, which is just. Brilliant. I've never seen it. I don't even know what it is. Malcolm in the Middle guy, right? Yeah, it's all about this guy who gets diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. And uh, his wife's pregnant. And uh, he realises that his job as a a teacher is not going to cover all the medical expenses and be able to leave them any money at all. So he he hooks up with this ex-student of his who's now a a sort of druggy, called down-and-out druggy. And they start cooking crystal meth together. And... uh, and because he's a chemistry teacher, he's mm-hmm. able to cook like the ultimate crystal meth. And obviously, they start getting a, a business going. But it it sounds really depressing, but it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Like it just treads the right line between drama and comedy. There's some really funny moments in it. And the second season is really funny. I'll give it a go. 
It's, okay, it's okay. seriously, seriously good. We're gonna have to wrap it up what, soon. What unfortunately, got, yeah, we've we not got much time. Yeah, so. what we've got going on this uh, this year though, I think, is that there's no shows, not even um, Boardwalk Empire, where you look at them and you think that show's gonna run for seven seasons. Mm. Like when House first started, when Lost first started, when <coughs> Twenty Four first started, you're like that show's gonna run and run and run. And you look at this season, even like Boardwalk Empire has like a sense of. Deadwood about it mm. rather than Sopranos where you think you know what three seasons from now they're going to be looking at acts in this the thing with Bold Walk Empire is it like Deadwood Deadwood got cancelled not because it wasn't any good but because it was so expensive to make and Boardwalk's got that and as Boardwalk well. has Big got that, that very expensive kind of feel to it it's like you want, I want nothing but good things for the show but it does worry me yeah. let's have some quick questions then Matt let's right. do them uh, a couple of new people this month as well which is always good to see mm. uh, NSW Shannon says, having just finished Halo Reach, I was interested in your thoughts on the Halo franchise as a whole. Do you think the Halo franchise saved the Xbox from bombing way back when it was released? Does it deserve the lofty perch it sits upon? God, Mike. You look at me. I don't think it saved it from bombing because it means Halo came out when... Launch day. When yeah. launch day, but I mean, it was certainly the killer, killer app. It was definitely the it, Xbox's uh, Super Mario 64. Yeah, if, if, yeah. if it didn't have Halo, I think it would have taken even longer. Because yeah. let's, it's like, like um, Xbox wasn't an overnight success. It's like with, the SNES or something, right? The SNES wasn't, it, it wasn't Street Fighter didn't save the SNES, but Street Fighter made the SNES, mm. you know? It would have still sold really nice without Street Fighter 2, but having exclusivity on Street Fighter 2 for as long as it did, man, that, that really made the SNES. Super Mario 64 on the N64. Like that really made the console. Yeah. It would still would have done fine without it, but it did really made it. And I think Halo probably did the same. For what you got to remember Xbox. about Microsoft is that they would have, if they didn't have Halo CE, they would have just. It wouldn't have mattered really because they're Microsoft and they would have just pumped money at it and over and over and over until they. They're got, about to do that with Connect. Yeah, yeah, but they would have got there eventually. But but Halo certainly helped. We'd all them we'd all way. be reviewing Blinks Five right now. Yeah, Blinks, yeah, without yeah, yeah. <laughs> grabbed grab by the Ghoulies Three. Yeah, oh dear, right. Malice. Oh. Although that that never happened. Oh, what was that? Brute Force? Oh, Brute Force, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, there was a lot of duff stuff on the Xbox back then. Microsoft clearly had this idea of what gaming is supposed to be. Yeah. And Halo, I think, was a part of it. Halo was almost like, yeah, that looks good, we'll give it a go. And that would end up becoming what gaming was going to be. And they tried it again with a 360 with stuff like Cameo, and it's just, it's... New. Um, Drut says... uh, Hello. First of all, he says, uh, how often do we find ourselves playing games just for our sheer enjoyment and not for the mag? And when was the last time we played a game that we enjoyed completely without having it spoiled with our work on the mag? Never have not have a game spoiled. I've ne- I don't know, I've oh, never. You must have had a couple, because there's always a couple of games I like to keep on the back burner that I just don't do anything. So, for example, Bioshock 2, which I finished last week, I managed to somehow avoid all spoilers on that oh yeah I guess uh, I did that with the first Bioshock I finished Bioshock last week and the only time I get to enjoy a game without having spoilers is if I manage to get a hold of code before everyone in the office does when you get a hold of code early you can like enjoy it with, without hearing them. but the trouble is that if you're doing it that way you're probably playing it for the mag mm. Um, so one or the other is usually always a problem um, when people so we can join this industry they said Mike this job will ruin playing games for you and you know what it didn't it really didn't ruin playing games for me, but it did change playing games for me, you know, big time. When you play everything, I think your standards change somewhat, mm-hmm. and more than that, you have less time to spend with each game. And if games don't grab you immediately, I think you're quite hard on them. I think you become even more selective about what you play, don't yeah. you? Yeah. You, you, do, you don't... Anything... 
I mean, it's hard to put a number on it, but anything I'd say sort of sub-sevens, sub-seventies, you're like, it's unlikely but to pick it up. I will say the games you really enjoy, you really, really yeah. enjoy, you know? You it's like number, the number of times I just sat and played Batman just for the hell of it. Like, I know everything that's going to happen in that yeah. game and exactly every turn I'm going to take. I've played it about four times now. Just enjoy it for the fun of it, you know? And I'll play Battlefield every night to this day. It's like, it's uh, the games you enjoy, you still love. Uh I mean, Castlevania is one that both of us have... We've managed to avoid kind of, anyone spoiling yeah, it, Yeah, because we? Uh, it came in, and it was a week before deadline. It's like, oh, I could do this, but I've got other things on my plate. Let's give it to well, Mr. Matt Castle. It's such a big game. I mean, a lot of that <laughs> happened to a lot of people. They gave it to a lot of magazines, gave it to freelancers mm. to cover, because it's a really yeah. big, big you, game. I mean, you never want to review something in the office if you know it's going to... Yeah, it's going to take up about five days worth of playing time. Yeah, I mean that's why I never used to review JRPGs, but I made the exception for Final Fantasy and Resonance of Fate, and uh, I put a whole weekend into those. <sighs> yeah, it's hard work, man. Playing. At that point, it just becomes work rather than fun. Yeah, thirty-three hours on each man. I was a broken. Oh man. god, it's so hard. I life playing games all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not about that. It really isn't. It's just it does it does change the way you play games. Agent forty-seven, finally. Who's responsible for the puns throughout the mag? Oh. Is it whoever is writing that article, or is there a person in charge of all puns? Tim? Well, pun, to be honest, pun, the whole pun thing was not really that important until until Pellet got a bee in his bonnet about it and decided that he was the man when it came to puns. I yeah. never said that. Uh, no, no, hey, I didn't say you did say it, but you thought it. The thing is, we always like to stick a pun on an article because it's fun. Yeah, it's fun, right? It's funny, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's, yeah. it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of fun, and it's fun thinking them up as well. And often, what I do is shout across the office and go, "Tim, Tim, I need a pun. And it's got a concern: cats and swords." And it's about an action game. Does that help? No, nothing's helping yet. It's okay. It's, it's rainy as well. It's a rainy game. Mm. And then eventually you hit across something mm. you can make a pun out of. And after a while, it became clear Matt was chipping in. And some of them were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Some of them were pretty good. Some and, of them were and, awful. And that's, that's, that's the point at which Matt decided he was the pun master. Yeah. The pun master general yeah. of Xbox World. And, and that only his puns were good enough. Yeah, and he's, he's just... He's, He's taking it so like everything else Pallet does, like like he takes it so seriously now. It's like, yeah. I don't take Hey, I'm everything. not saying you I'm not saying you like listen to my pun. I demand you listen to my pun. <laughs> I don't mean like that seriously. I, I just mean, mean like it's it's like a it's a competitive thing for you now. It's, you're getting so like like in your nick is in a twist about it, you know, you're like it is Two's like, Chompany, Two's Chompany. <laughs> yeah, it is like a fight. It's like there's, there's some serious animosity going on. But I mean, Matt's pitching stuff like Two's Chompany and he's going up against I mean winners like okay, it's Harley Quinn in Arkham City. Quinn City. Quinn City, yeah. And uh well, Battle for Vietnam. Nam sandwich. Yeah. But that comes a month after I put scam sandwich on my ruse review. Oh, I don't know. Pallet, as you well know, I don't take any notice of what you write. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, boss. What was the brilliant Bioshock one you came up with the other day? The Shock and Saw. No, no, no. The, the, the one which was based on a song. Oh, no, no, no. Tim hasn't had the pleasure. This is from Unleash it. Drop it on him now. No. <laughs> You've got to drop it on him now because I've hyped it up to our listeners. Yeah, no, 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 drop no, no. it on the podcast. You've got to drop it on the podcast. Because there, there are a few. I know, but you'll... You're drop gonna... it on the podcast. Well, it's Bioshock Infinite. I was trying to find, like, patriotic songs. Yeah. And then uh, try and... Uh, yeah. Try and pun them. Yeah. So there was keep on shocking in the free world. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the best one, this is this is pretty good. <laughs> and you, you know it's good when he starts laughing at his <laughs> own pun. How about Sweet Home Alablamo? <laughs> 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 and on that note. No, yeah. 
Oh dear. Right, uh, well, th- thank you for listening. Uh, sorry it's a bit shorter than normal, but we managed to squeeze this in in between a couple of other podcasts. Yeah, so, so uh, Games like, Radar is going to barge like, in now. Like the naughty boys we are. So uh, we hope you uh, enjoy the new issue. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Do get in c- contact with us. We'd love to hear from you, either via Facebook, Twitter, on our forum, or just plain old-fashioned email. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Sweet home, Alablamo.